HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Barryville is a hamlet in rural America, part of the upper Delaware River Valley in the western Catskills, but it could be anywhere. Barryville is the climax of civilization. Yeah, the Trump flags are flying, even as gay bikers are rolling through town. This is a hot take on rural America. And whether you're new to rural living, if you've ever been bullied or beaten up in the country, or live in the city and just dream of getting away, this show is for you. Everything's better in Barryville. Rose from Dover, Johnny and Mike. Hey, hey, hey! Coming at you. Johnny, you have such a pretty singing voice. Everybody says so. Michael, thank you. When are we going to get back in the studio and make another record? Well, let's (laughs) see what happens with the rest of today. I've been up up for so long. I I commuted from the city today, which I haven't done in a really long time. I only really exclusively do it for pantry, but I really wanted to take a yoga class. I'm really trying to stay on the up and up. And I love Highland Yoga and Dance, and I love Alyssa, who teaches on Thursdays. So I got up you know, before 6 a.m., and I drove straight to the, the yoga studio, and I feel great, and I'm glad I did. But tonight, I have to stay up because Comet 2022 E3 ZTF is going to rear its ugly head between Bates and Hercules, uh, the constellations tonight, and it's pretty much one of the only times we're going to be able to see it in our region so it's it's very exciting this is a once in a lifetime opportunity wow that's that's a <laughs> that's a it's that's a, that's a, that's a whole lot yeah um, how's your day going uh, you, you seemed a little grouchy earlier i have to say oh my goodness you know I what's just the been, chip on your shoulder no chip daddy but <laughs> i haven't really been vibrating at the same frequency with the world first of all my iphone quit on me last night it trash just went, like, total just, trash just the the i got the apple logo and it was just blinking and i was on the phone for hours with macintosh tech support they said we never even heard of this problem and two things were going on. It's like an existential crisis for me because, first, I don't have my phone, so I'm not getting messages. I'm not getting calls. I can't check my Facebook page. I can't play Wordle in Spanish and all these things. But, you know, I'm attached to it, and I'm, I'm missing things. So there's that. But then I'm upset because I'm the guy who misses not having the phone. So not only am I missing the phone, but I'm mad at myself for being the guy that misses the phone. Wait, so are you on TikTok, too? It's, no, I'm not. But oh, so, I was like, are you are you just turning into a millennial? I don't, or want, what's going I don't on? want my phone to be like this technology logical prothesis you know you know this prosthetic you know item like that props me up then i lose it and all of a sudden i'm crippled without it i don't want to be that guy and yet here we are i mean i i I only care about my phone because it's my lifeline to my businesses and my employees i if i didn't have businesses or have to answer questions for people i would punt the thing i hate it exactly but you know i also have a laptop that connects to every other goddamn thing in the universe so it's amazing i mean i should be grateful that the technology exists but never never mind these these this foolishness john news big news big 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 news you get the the bump, Letterman bumper for this. Wow! I understand it just came. So what do I it just deserve the honor to my attention? I know I usually save it for our guests, but there it is. But it came to my attention that you have been named Public Servant of the Year by the River Reporter. This is for the second year running. Oh okay? my god! Push, push your little applause button. Go ahead. Uh, all right. All I right. Don't I'll, like I'll, fake right. humility. I, it's it's not a good trait. It's, it's not, amazing, this John. It's not fake humility. I, I, I 
A, I didn't know we were going to talk about it, and B, I'm 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 honored and I'm humbled and I love everybody who who voted for this thing. All the people in the office at the River Reporter, <laughs> but I, you know, also a big honor. This is the 11th year that the Stick It In's been open, and we were also named Best lo- Local Lodging, which Ooh. is super exciting. Wait, 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 wait for it. Oh, bump, boom, and while you're. Getting an award for being public servant of the year. I was in criminal court this week. Oh, shit. Well, I was in traffic court, okay? So I got popped at the speed. What'd you do? Uh, apparently, I did 46 in a 30-mile-an-hour zone in Port Jervis, the speed trap rolling into town, so everybody be careful over so there. So now you're dangerous? But, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're increasing the well, danger I, for well, the I, I pled the down people? to a parking ticket, but I feel bad because I should have haggled more. The New Yorker and me walked away paying a very expensive parking ticket uh, with no moving violation. But you No, know, that's 16- good. That's a good thing because right. then you don't get points. Right, exactly. Yeah. But it's 16 miles over the speed limit. That's, that's when that, a consideration for you and your I wife. I should have negotiated down to like 13 miles over the speed limit because I don't don't doubt that I was going over 30 miles an hour. But uh, I would have slammed into the car in front of me doing 46, just you know, on, on uh, Pine Street there in, in Port Jervis. But yeah. At 46 miles an hour, that's when the $175 fine kicks in versus uh, you know half that amount. So. Uh, you know, the crazy thing is, this is the first speeding ticket I've ever gotten. Uh, it's only the second time in my life I've ever even been pulled over by a cop, which, wow. is, obvi- which is obviously some oversight by law enforcement. The first, <laughs> the, the first time was here in Eldred, and I got pulled over by a constable, uh, and um and I was like, oh, you know, good God I, save I, the constables. You, you know, I, it never gets easy, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm always looking around for flashing lights everywhere I go, kind of kind of the way I grew up, causing a lot of trouble. Anyway, uh, yeah, God save the constables. He said, yeah, Mike, I know you. I see in the grocery store. Just slow it down by the high school. Do you remember which constable it was? No, I, you know, I, I, don't. I don't. But that was the magic of um, the constables, and, and hopefully and, they'll be back soon. But but the fact that they know you, they, they see you do your life, that makes them a good officer of the law, but it also makes them... Uh, you know, they create an environment where small towns thrive. Like they recognize people's kids and they recognize, you know, all the wonderful things that go on. And, it, you know, we will talk about this on the weed show later on, but that's why I, I hope our constable program comes back by the time that goes on. So that if there's somebody in town that they don't recognize who's buying weed and acting suspicious, they'll know who it is instead of, you know, some, you know, 19 year old County cop, you know, Kind of not knowing anybody and and looking and then for what? A, looking for a collar. Yeah, it's uh, not. It's not. No, I mean, it was it, it was just absolutely normal. And you know, and like I talk a lot about being a local and being here and living here, but that that's part of it. I mean, I am here. He does see me in the supermarket and knows. You I mean, kind just, of stick out just, like a sore thumb because you're yeah, not a local. Yeah. Well, but <laughs> but he, you know, he says, "Hey, I know you, buddy. Don't worry about it. Just slow it down by the high school." You know, I did actually. Uh, get one other ticket, a moving violation in my life. This was in San Francisco in 1984, and I was on tour with the band, the New York punk rock band Reagan Youth. And yep. we're in this uh, beat-up Chevy Nova that was a driveway car we got from New York. And I was parked, I was double parked, but parked. Engine was off. Uh, out on Haight Street, uh, probably waiting for some, you know, to complete a drug deal, honestly. But um, oh. uh, the cop pulled up and said, hey, it was an unmarked car, and said, hey, uh, you, you can't be parked here. And they looked in my car and saw the guy in the passenger seat, uh, who was a man of color, a uh, black guy, Rick, who was playing drums for Reagan Youth at the time. He said, on second thought, don't go anywhere. And he wrote me up for reckless endangerment or, or reckless driving and told me, said, how long you stay in San Francisco? And I said, well, you know, I don't know. we got a couple of gigs. He says, well, I think you should leave and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> and the weird thing was, I, well, the next time I came to San Francisco, I was looking over my shoulder for that cop the whole time. That's insane. I'd never come back. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you, Gary Cooper <laughs> or, 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 or the Ku Klux Klan? You know, I, I, I like to visit San Francisco, but I have to say it's not one of my favorite cities. Uh, I, I, I tie it so much to Grateful Dead culture. I, you know, when Jerry died, I slept in Golden Gate Park. Um, oh, you, know, you know, it was, you, it are, was, you, you are incorrigible and I, unrepentant. And I just was thinking about what a beautiful tribute Bob Weir made that day. It was a New Orleans style profession procession, and you know, um, Jerry's daughter spoke. It was a really beautiful event. But, I connect. Um, I, I do love San Francisco. I connect it to sort of like the Beatnik heritage, which I'm close to. City Lights Bookstore, kind of being uh, kind of like an epicenter of yeah, a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. I believe in there, and uh, but San Francisco. San Francisco crazy people are so much crazier than New York crazy people. They're like They're the cr- Bowery plus like more meth. It's yeah, it's bad. And, it's bad. And a little acid. Uh, and that makes good crazy. All right. Uh, who we got on the show today, John? Ooh, we got a great one today. This is the art episode. 
Uh, I'd like to think of us all as artists, but these people are true living, breathing artists that bring the goodness to our community. We have Matt Nelson, we have Sharon Spiak, and we have Lacey Keen Gudekunst uh, performing a song, Black Dog. We're so excited for these guys. Thank you guys for coming out today, and stick around. I'm excited. All right. Arts in the Catskills. Let's go. Well, all right, Johnny. Before we get going here today uh, with our guests, I wanted to read something from Kurt Vonnegut Jr., something he wrote that I think is particularly apropos for today's show. It goes like this. If you really want to hurt your parents and you don't have the nerve to be gay, the least you can do is go into the arts. I'm not kidding. The arts are not a way to make a living. They're a very human way of making life more bearable. Practicing an art, no matter how well or how badly, is a way to make your soul grow. For heaven's sake, sing in the shower, dance to the radio, tell stories, write a poem to a friend, even a lousy poem. Do it as well as you possibly can. You will get an enormous reward. You will have created something. All right, let that be a lesson to you, people out there. That's right. Get unpopular with your parents. Go for it. All right. What if you're gay and an artist? Then you're really Bravo. Fucked. All right, here Bravo. we go. All right, I want to introduce my next guest, my neighbor and friend, fifth generation, um, Barry Villian. Uh, they're a very wonderful family who contributes a lot to the greatness of our town. And he's a prime example of how you can make a living doing art in your hometown. I give you Matt Nelson. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome, I really appreciate welcome, it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, it was it was good to spend time. Full disclosure, um, we went out and visited the studio um, that Matt Nelson has called home for the past 15 years um, with artist Ugo Rondanone, and uh, it's impressive and amazing, and it was really a trip to be out there, and it was fantastic. I felt like we were in outer space, honestly. I, it's incredible that you found a way to make money as an artist, contrary to what Kurt Vonnegut said, and I admire anybody who has the balls to give it a go. It ain't easy. Yeah, so how, how did it all start? Well, I just like to first off add my parents are very happy that I made money doing it. Eventually. Well, you're a success story, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, my parents not so much. <laughs> well, I think I was, I was here. You know, I, I grew up in the area. You know, I worked at the campgrounds. I, I ran canoe liveries. I worked as a lifeguard or ski instructor in the area. Um, I kind of got to a point realizing that... Um, I wasn't going to go to be a police officer. I wasn't going to go out to do sports medicine like I thought I might. And um, I just really found myself drawn to the arts. I really love cinematography and photography. Um, I know that uh, when I got out of high school, I went to Orange County Community College. And um, I took a video and TV class and radio there and just fell in love with it. Put together a portfolio and sent it out to the academy in San Francisco and I got accepted, and I was blown away that I got accepted. You know, I was a B student tops in high school. All you B students out there, listen up. Keep listening. <laughs> I saw something in you that maybe a more uh, normal, for lack of a better word, career uh, you might not, not have welcomed. Yeah, but, but how cool that, like, you know, you don't have to rush to, I always think about this. You don't have to rush to go to the most expensive school. There's so much pressure on kids, like right out of school to like find some crippling university that's going to suck out all their money and give them this big burden. But how smart for you to say, Hey, I'm still not a hundred percent. So I'm going to go to community school, get, get a, get a sort of like taste for what it all looks like and then see where you want to go with it. Because the answer, uh, John and Matt knows this. We talked about it yesterday is that it's always a putting in, not a taking out. It's not what the school can do for me. It's what I I can do for my school, for myself, for my art, for the world. Boom. Ask, ask not what you can do for Barryville. That's right. Or, or vice versa. Yeah, all, all those things. All right, so so, so you, the next stop on your journey led you to San Francisco. And what were the differences between living in San Francisco and living back home in Barryville? Culture shock. <laughs> Culture shock. Big difference. Big time difference. Plus, yeah. you know no one. You know, uh, back here, everybody knows you. Uh, they they uh, support you and they're open arms. So you go to a big city, people are like um, a little standoffish, you know. And and like I said, to go there, complete culture shock of what I knew here. 
or they're you know they're or they're crazy and homeless like in San Francisco. There's a really wild, very active in your face homeless population, and I mean at least the weather's temperate, so it's a, it's a better way of life for them than if they were sure. here in Berryville. But sure. but it's a really unhinged sort of feeling in it, it San Francisco, is. which it you is. don't get anywhere in Berryville. But, it's you, a, but you can find your tribe in San Francisco. A lot of artists, a lot of beatniks, a lot of hippies, sure. a lot of, a lot of freaks. And you do, you do, you find that you'll find your people by being yourself, not trying to fit in per se and i think i find that true of berryville as well sure honestly sure yeah yeah again it's a putting in not a taking in all right that's gonna be the message of today so so how did you move from like sort of the medium of like film and and, you know tv and, and that sort of world onto fine art uh, well, my, my understudy was sculpture. So my, my, my main study was cinematography, and my understudy was sculpture. And I found more opportunities with sculpture because I could work with my hands and the material. I didn't need to go out and buy film and processing and rentals and things like that. I could do more with myself by myself. It was a cheap, easy way out in, a, in one way, but it was, it was more productive. Absolutely. I mean, I had a similar experience. Films are very expensive to make. I went to film school. I was an inmate at NYU for a little bit. I got out for time served. But, um, uh, but films are expensive to make, and that's probably why I gravitated towards writing and playing music, right. uh, which you didn't need a large budget or you know, a relative whose name was Spielberg to, to get the job done. Correct. And now you just need a damn phone. Can it's you amazing. believe it? Can you think about all the equipment that this little stupid device that keeps us up at night? Look, all the things that replaces. are trying to make me obsolete, the drum machine, the, the, the iPhone, and now this AI chat thing yeah. that's going to write my next book for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you graduated from school in San Francisco and you stayed in California for a little bit? I actually left school uh, to go directly to work for a, a, a production company. And I worked for them in, in Los Angeles for a short amount of time. And then... I actually came home uh, to New York, and I worked on uh, production for Harvey Corman, which was uh, Toxic Avenger 5. I think it was Citizen Toxic. That's and amazing. And I worked there, uh, <laughs> and, which was a great experience. That was a real, you want to see how you get something done? Go on one of his sets and, and his productions. Oh, yeah. Any champion hero you know, of, of cinema. Toxic is a superhero from New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Jersey Boys <laughs> doing it, doing it right. Um, and so, so after you worked on this film, did you stay like in the sort of cinema world? Or I, I did try to. I, I uh, worked for uh, a production that was going on in Narrisburg, and then seeing the bad side of how things could go through Mustang Films and things like that. Uh, uh, that's the sort of crash and burn film of the late nineties that, yes. that was covered in the in yeah, and it the was Narrisburg be a, film. It, those things that are that are local, I give one hundred and ten percent to, even if it's like you're not getting paid because you're. It's that putting in, not taking out, because you wanna you wanna see that happen here. You could see all these great things where you could shoot around here, which would make an incredible movie. And everything is just so close, location management wise. This is the year we're gonna start doing horror movies. Right, right here. We got a river. We got a cabin in the woods. What else do you yes, need? Exactly. Well, you, know, That's it. you know, just a small departure. But did did you guys see John Conway's, um, you know, from the for- front porch article? It covered when Shelley Winters and Blondie and all those people were in town and Liz. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the guy from Aerosmith. Uh, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler's. Uh, yeah, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler uh, was. We're in Berryville shooting on River Road. Uh, That's the correct. movie Heavy. And so, like, I can't believe and that the two was 1993 movies. or 1994. Yep. James Mangold. Yeah. 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 That's so amazing. I, I want to mention a weird connection I made yesterday while we were visiting Matt at his studio that um, your connection to John Giorno, yeah. uh, who lived in Berryville. I had no idea of this, that he was a Berryvillian. Uh, John Giorno of John. Journal poetry system. So when I was in high school and got to college, you'd see these records, these weird spoken word records, um, and they were John Journal poetry systems, and they had a lot of people who eventually became involved with Sonic Youth. I think William Burroughs worked on something. This was a weird code that I had to crack. This weird, like kind of like no wave era punk rock beatniks that had this great, great mystery to me. There was dial a poem in New York for years, and I got to your studio and there's a dial a poem sign, yeah. and I couldn't believe it. John Journal yeah. lived around the corner from me in yeah. in, in Berryville, and again the, proving that all roads lead to Berryville. And he was a partner of the artist that you work for currently. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, John Journal so was uh, you know directly connected with Andy Warhol. He was the subject in Sleep. That's right. Uh, so he's the person that's sleeping for the 12, 13 hours on camera. He's an amazing person and a, and a really good friend. That's amazing. And so, how did you meet uh, Ugo? Like, how did you guys get acquainted? Uh, actually, uh, I got a phone call from Larry Farmer, who was the original owner of the Lawrence, and uh, Larry said, "Listen, there's a." 
there's a guy in town and he needs a set of uh, stone steps built. And I work with stone most of my life. And what he wanted was a mosaic stone steps, six, seven steps going up to the house, all different colors, different shapes. And for me, I thought, hey, this is great. And I know a lot of the guys that turn the job down, they want to put square stone down. But it was because I went and did the hard part and he saw what I was doing and I didn't have a problem with it. I accepted it. You didn't the question challenge. his vision. No. Yeah. And so it just led on to different projects and different projects and always meeting a deadline. And he was impressed with that. And now here you are 15 years later and you're king his sort of local operations and manufacturing. And I think that that is such an amazing success story, like that you could go and go to these big cities and, and go work, but then find a career in art in, in your hometown. I mean, that's a very, that's, that's not what everybody thinks of when they go away to art school that they may come back and contribute. And it's such a beautiful thing. And if more kids did that, we'd have a really thriving community. Yeah, and, and also raising a beautiful family by the river. I yeah. appreciate that. You've Thank got you. it all. Yeah. You, you can do it all, John. I've been very lucky. I've no, been it's, very lucky. it's incredible. And what do you th what do your kids think when you go to these incredible sites where where the art is? I, kn I know you guys during the pandemic road tripped out to uh, Las Vegas and you created this village of of insanity and merriment. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, to be able to work on Seven Magic Mountains out in the Nevada desert was an amazing experience. Uh, it's one of the most photographed pieces of land art in the world. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, you don't realize how large scale it is until you walk out. And the way the artist wanted it, you have to walk about a quarter mile out into the desert. So the perspective changes. Everything's staggered. So as you move, they move across each other. Uh, but you get out there and you stand up and look there. And no matter what time of day it is, there's always 30 to 100 people out there. In the middle of the night, there'll be 30 to 40 people out there. In the daytime, there's always 100 people out there walking around. And they have to pull over and walk a quarter mile into the desert. That's incredible. And, and um, you know, people can also see the yours and Hugo's work in front of Rockefeller Center. Um, is there anything else locally that I'm missing? Uh, at, at this point in time, not right now. Locally... Uh, there will be certain galleries like Gladstone Gallery in New York, um, uh, Press and Hover. Uh, there's other places. That there, he's all over the world. His artwork is shipped all over the world. And it's incredible. And, and you know, just to toot Matt's horn just a little bit more, he uses local artisans. You, I know you've called on other friends of ours mm -hmm. and, and other, you know, people who have like great skills in carpentry and, and, um, all kinds of painting, all other kinds of, um, sort of services. And what people think of as traditional contractual services actually, you know, move the art forward and, and are part of your team. Yeah. I was, I was really lucky to have the background in heavy construction, carpentry, uh, basic construction, cement, uh, and stonework, uh, epoxy work, steel welding. So that melds over really well into the heavy side of these art installations. And you can explain better to a contractor who can do that work better than you. You can make the translation for them and get them to not feel so standoffish about working on artwork. And they can focus on that technical side, which makes it archival. It's amazing. Your studio doesn't look what someone might picture an artist's studio to look like. You have heavy machinery. You got all the all the big toys. You got diamond bit drills and things that can literally carve boulders into swans. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. I for, I hope everybody gets a chance to see the work. Um, thank you so much for talking. Will you stick around with us while we talk to Sharon Spiak? Please? I surely will. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks so much, guys. All right, all right. thank you. We'll be back with Barryville's top. Romantic <laughs> Bustier busting artist. <laughs> All right, let's hear it for Sharon and Matt. We'll be back after this. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. 
stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. All right, Crazy Daisy, we're back, and I'm so excited about our next guest because she is a large part of the reason why I stayed in Barryville. All right, you can explain that a little <laughs> bit later. This is one of the most technically talented artist painters I've ever seen in my life. Her process is riveting, and uh, they adorn some of the walls of the Stick It In and also our bar in the East Village. I would like you to put your hands together for the amazing Sharon Spiak. <laughs> Welcome, Sharon. Hi. Hi. It's very exciting to be here. It's exciting to have you. It's my first time on a radio podcast. Well, you don't have a face for radio. You have a face for television. But we're happy to have you here on the radio. Yeah. Sharon Thank looks like you. a superstar. Yeah. You know, um, and I hope that's not lost on our radio audience. Also, the the pure heat that you bring with your with your paintings is no joke. I'm excited. It's, the, it's the, the signature riff of, of John's uh, "Stick It In," and we came, we saw them. We were all flutter, my wife and I. And for anybody that went to the carriage house, it was like the central piece of the dining room as well. You know, you just every every legislator, every wedding picture would had a beautiful breast in the background, just waiting to be talked about and exposed, which is always gave me a chuckle. You have redefined the bottom. Ripper. Tell us about your art. Yes, yes I, so, so. I've done hundreds of Bodice Ripper romance novel covers. How did you get started? How did you meet your mentor? Um, I was, um, I became friends with some artist reps and um, they saw that I had talent. So they hooked me up with a, a man named Pino Diani, who is probably the most well-known romance novel painter. And, and I mean, for all of you who don't know, I, I, I can't imagine anybody um, doesn't remember this as a kid, but like, you know, every supermarket checkout, every place where books were sold, you'd see these gorgeous Rococo paintings of Fabio and other like romance novel stars. And Sharon painted probably every single one that you saw. So, so uh, how insular was this world? How many people did the kind of work that you, that you do? Believe it or not, there weren't that many and mostly men, but, um, I was a young person that got introduced into the field and, and it, um, I, for 20 years, I painted romance novel covers. But tell people about your process, because that's also so exciting. Like, you were also the stylist for the photographs that were then painted. Well, um, I grew up with a seamstress for a mother, and um, part of my college education was uh, fashion design at FIT. So I began making the costumes for the paintings that I did. Well, that's amazing. So, I mean... Not all of us are blessed with this much talent. So you you were pursuing a career in painting or or in fashion first. Fashion first, and then the painting happened. You you were not technically trained as a painter. I've always been a painter. I started painting as a child, and um, it progressed from there. I went to FIT for two years and pretty much took all art classes. And then how does someone so sexy personally and professionally find themselves in Barryville? Well, <laughs> well, I had a good friend who moved up here and uh, I would visit on weekends and I even had a very uh, uh, fun experience here when the spring house was actually in working order and I uh, did a gallery show there yeah, for, for, for all you longtime Barrevillians, uh, Spruce Gallery was owned by the amazing Lynn O'Neill, and yeah. my husband Roswell was a partner That's in right. it, and there's a lot of really cool people doing really cool things. And that was before I moved here, but um, it was a good introduction to the area, and uh, I got that commission for the Carriage House Nude 
from Attila because of that show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Barryville landmark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, and then all these years later, like I, I know that you painted um, pets. I know that you, you painted, you adorned the walls. You sort of had, had a Rococo romantic rendering of our East village location. Cause there was nobody else that we thought would do it better. Um, but, but what are, what are you up to now? How do you continue your art uh, in the country and how do you still make a business out of it? Well, I, I do have an ongoing pet portrait uh, thing and anybody who's interested I'm I'm here um, but it's uh, it's fun I love doing pet portraiture I, li- I like to connect you to a large tradition of Catskills artists you know you might be a little bit coming out, out of the left of center with your work it's so it's so steamy but obviously there's been a great tradition of artists in in the Catskills in the Hudson Valley um, are you part of a school I love the Hudson Valley School of Art, and um, I've always been a follower of those artists. And um, I do intend to uh, expand my personal likes in art, which I haven't really done yet. Well, that's it's super interesting, though, like what we were talking about with Matt, that like your work and the medium of your work has is, is sort of been deduced to Photoshop and, you know, people using certain filters that look like paintings now. They're not doing yeah. the same sort of work, but there's nothing like standing in one in front of one of your paintings and seeing the actual detail and all the all the work you're doing. Yeah, AI cannot uh, reproduce that. Yeah, and when she's painting too, uh, you'll see a lot of books just open with references all over the place. When she was painting the bar in the East Village, she had like all these adorning fans coming in the door that <laughs> knew you. Uh, and then there'd be a wonderful smoke break. Then you'd go back and go nuts and paint for another twelve hours. I mean, it was it was quite a process to watch you do this. <laughs> yeah, well, I I I haven't really done that many large works like that, but I have done a few. I I painted a, a ceiling mural and. Scarlett Johansson's apartment in in LA, wow. and um, you know I've done some some big stuff. That's amazing. I think the town of Highland should commission you to do a lo- large format mural. You know, you know, three hundred yards long. You know, 10, 10, 12 feet high or something, all around the town hall. <laughs> like I a love really that. sexy, sexy version, <laughs> like the Last Supper. Perhaps? You know, if it's, good, if it's good enough for Scarlett Johansson, I think it's good enough for Barry. <laughs> you know, uh, your work is so so hot. Now, what were you going to say? Matt's cracking himself I was up. Say, I would love to see Sharon mold her. Or meld the two, the, the romantic covers with the pet figurators, and do a new cover for, for uh, Lady and the Tramp. I, think I love it. Be amazing. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Or maybe like official, you know, local p- politician uh, portraits is, is in order. Oh here. my God, I love that. <laughs> Put them all in chain mail and give them swords. <laughs> you would love you that. Know, Being I a local politician, that that's your success. fantasy, isn't it? <laughs> well, she did paint Lamont, and he looks like years and days younger and stronger than he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is really hard to imagine if those in radio, radio land. This reminds me why I need to keep pursuing my vision of radio with pictures. Okay? I it's think like, someone's I ima- already thought I of that, I imagine like, 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 like radio, but with like maybe pictures. I'm seeing it on a screen, possibly. So it's uh, pictures. Someone's already thought it's of that, Mike. It's called radio vision. Or television. I, I call it radio vision. <laughs> I'm telling you, radio vision, John, it's going to be big. Big, 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 big. Wow, wow. Radio vision. <laughs> and you're going to be our first star. Oh, my God. So what do you guys have working on? What are you guys working on next uh, in your studio, Matt? Uh, we're going to be working on a couple of new uh, uh, lines of work called Monks and Nuns, which are uh, large monolithic uh, stones with... Uh, Sort of a stone. Forgive head at the me. Top. It, it sounds Italian and it sounds dirty. Oh my God! But it's in the ether. Like, we were just talking about the Last Supper and all these romantic renderings. Of we could have all of that land in Berryville for the cool price of like twelve million dollars, right? <laughs> but, it, but, it, but in Sharon's hands, it would come out hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's always sexy in Sharon's hands. I like it. I love this. I love where this is going. <laughs> Uh, wow. Wow. We covered a wow. lot of ground here today. Um, but yeah, the biggest story is there's so much talent up here in the woods. And look around and love your neighbors. All right, Sharon, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you and find your website in case they want a commission, a pet portrait, uh, a, a nice sexy uh, boudoir painting, perhaps, or or to purchase one of your prints. How do we get in touch with you? Okay, to purchase a print of existing romance novel cover art, it, it's SharonSpiakArt.com. 
That's wonderful. Everybody check out SharonSpiakArt.com and we'll put it up on our Facebook page. Matt, do you have anything to add? I just want to say one last thing. If you're interested in the arts and you're a young person in the area, reach out to other artists. It's like an unspoken code. We will point you in the right direction, okay? We will point you in the right direction. Reach out for those people. 100%. You're such a good person. Thank you for saying that. That's wonderful. Don't ask what Barryville can do for you. Ask what you can do for Barryville. Wow. We'll be right back. Wow, I love those guys. Oh my God, they are so rad. And I mean, like truly radical. Sharon's doing her steamy paintings down at one end of town and Matt's got his workshop, which looks like he could be building rocket ships or funny cars in there. And they were so like generous about, you know, how they got to be artists, how to be working artists, how to get in there, you know, how to bring back art to your local home, you know, town and community. It's it's beautiful, beautiful there, thing. There are ways to get involved and be successful in the arts that you just can't imagine. And I love what Matt said about if you're a young artist, go find other artists to talk to because that's how it happens. That's how you aim yourself in the right direction. That's how you connect to the universe. And uh, you might also piss off your parents as, you know, an added <laughs> Speak, Speaking from experience. Go get a mic. All right, John, are you ready for the news? I sure am. All right, here we go. It's the Barrowville News with your host, John Pizzolatto. I'm John Pizzolatto, and this is the news to me. In our own backyard, and this is from the Sullivan County Democrat, at their regular meeting on January 5th, the Town Board of Forestburg gave ear to multiple comments regarding a filed complaint alleging anti-Semitic discrimination that has recently been brought forth against the town, the Town Board, the Zoning Board of Appeals, the Town Supervisor, the Chair of the Forestburg Planning Board, the Town Building Inspector, and the Town Assessor. The complaint addresses multiple instances in which the town members of the community allegedly exhibited anti-Semitic behavior and discrimination comments dating all the way back to the purchase of the property from the owners to the recent denial of the building permits on all but one of the Lost Lake property. You know, this happened to us recently, so I know this is happening. People are using their positions of authority to intimidate. You know, we have a hired gun agency that does our fire inspections in our town, and this woman came in guns blazing. I mean, from the second she walked in, she, you know, all but dog whistled. She said, if you don't like what I'm about to do to these fellas, you should see what I do to the camps up at Bethel. Whoa, 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 Johnny, that's not dog whistling. That is, no, everyone, everyone like knows what the Homophobia camp, and anti-Semitism. The, the camps up in Bethel are Jewish Orthodox camps. I can't believe someone would come in and say say that to you. No, like to our that. employee. And, and, and even worse was that, you know, she called us fellas, which everybody of a certain age knows that's dog whistling for these homosexuals. It's so frustrating. And it's, and I, you know, I can defend myself. I have thick skin. We have thick skin. We have lawyers, all those things. But not everybody does. And, and, and if this is truly going on in force, where where people are sh- you know trying to push people out for whatever their race their gender their orientation whatever the hell it is we're too small and too good and too tight of a community to accept this kind of behavior. That's right. No one should, should be doing any of that. Of course, this is a very very complex issue. And speaking as a, a Jewish American, as a New York Jew, uh, I am aware that within the main you know within uh, American Judaism, but outside of main the mainstream uh, you know Jew, Jewish. Uh, culture here there are extremists there are course, people just who like there are in christianity or right. anything else and like these, they these don't are, represent the mainstream and these are people who've bought up land in the catskills and Sullivan county and, have been and don't care actors. about you know maintaining their land or or integrating with the community that's right they're, they're homophobic they're misogynistic they don't feel like they got to play by the same rules and i would hope that people could understand the difference between extremists and you know and, and folks like me and my friends and i hear it's trickled down to a low, lower level where people saying oh there are problems you know with a jewish group and all of a sudden it's anti-Semitism like on a wide, wide scale like we're seeing all over America. No, it's, and, it's scary. And, we're, and, we're two hours outside of New York City where the largest Jewish population in the world exists and the fact that this could happen so close to this epicenter is just, it's upsetting and troubling and I really hope it's not the case but this is super confounding because if this is a, if this is a true case of anti-Semitism, shame on everybody involved but if it's not and it's a boy who cried wolf scenario, there is real anti-Semitism that's dangerous going on all around the world right now. So I really hope that these people are playing their cards right. And I really hope that it's not just angry people that want to do something with their land that's not allowed or zoned to to, to do, you know? So I, this is a very confounding story that we need to keep watching as a community. And in regards to like you getting violations, uh, you're building your new business, the Oasis downtown, downtown such as it is yeah. in Barryville. Uh, I hope this isn't a uh, stick it in deja vu all over again, because just before uh, I got to town, uh, <laughs> you know, and I read the stories and I saw the pictures uh, of- You saw Pro- Melissa Gilbert with her boom 
boom box yeah. outside town hall. <laughs> you know, uh, that's right. All the Barryville celebrities uh, were there, but to protest in your favor, the town got 70 letters. There were people standing outside town hall with rainbow flags uh, protesting these violations that stick it in. Uh, you, you yeah, received, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was a, I do have to say, Mike, that was a much different scenario because we'd already been in business for eight years and they questioned the validity of our permits just at random, which was really bizarre. They lost paperwork and then they made it our problem. And I really hope that's not happening again with my new business. But I just I just really hope it you know, it it did get me involved in the political process um, because I know that we could defend ourselves. But I wasn't so sure about people who maybe couldn't afford legal representation, who were targeted for one reason or another. And it really did engage me in, in trying to represent the public at large. And um, it's still one of my key motivators. So I, I, I hope that all these public servants out there are in it for the right reasons and not using their position of authority to intimidate or to you know, grind some axe. And I, I can dig it. And this is why you've been named Public Servant of the Year Mike. again. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of the show with you, Johnny. I, I, I really, really am. I see in you someone who works tirelessly for the community, for the river. Uh, That's very you know, sweet, but I thought practice- we were going to wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank well, well, you to the River Reporter and all of the um, readers for, for um, this wonderful honor. It's it's wonderful. And I, I really take it to heart and it really means a lot to me. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep uh, screaming your praises all, all to the sky. I, I really will because I... I'm a believer, Johnny. I'm a believer. Well, thank okay, you, buddy. What, what's next? Uh, nothing good. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Lisa Marie Presley is dead. Uh, she died on January 12th, 2023. Um, she was a wonderful woman. She was a wonderful performer. She had a fabulous legacy. Obviously, the only daughter of Elvis Presley. She was married to Michael Jackson and Nicolas Cage and was a fabulous artist in her own right. You know, she appeared at the Golden Globe Awards and frankly she didn't look like herself she didn't look well um it was such a bittersweet ending to such a you know storied life. It's such an American tragedy. Your dad, who died, you know, way too young uh, of, of polypharmacy, I believe, was the actual cause of death. But it, it seemed like it was all stage managed uh, by by you know by by his evil villain manager. And listen, Marie, it's so tragic and sad. You know, they're, I'm going to bury her um, out behind Graceland next to her dad, which is both kind of beautiful but also kind of really tragic because if you've been back there, it's very small. It's uh, those graves just behind the house, kind of like a pet cemetery. Wait a second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This should lift your spirits. It's Tiffany Diamond in the sky. It's the Berryville weather helicopter. Here we go. Here we go. Hi, guys. It's Tiffany Diamond, your eye in the sky for the Berryville radio traffic helicopter. I'm flying high above Route 97, just north of Port Jervis of the Hawk's Nest, headed towards Berryville. It is a beautiful, clear winter day. There are icicles coming off the side of the rocks, and the river is just gorgeous. It's just a great day for a drive. There's no one on the road, so that's your report. Oh, wait a minute. Here comes a car. Looks like a Honda or maybe a Toyota. I don't know. They all look the same these days. Not like when we were growing up and cars were cool. He's doing the speed limit, 55 miles an hour, just enjoying the drive. Wait, here comes a big truck. Looks like a Ram 14,000 coming up behind him. He's going about 70 miles an hour. Now he's tailgating the little Toyota. But there's no way he can pass. There's a lot of curves and a double line. Wait, the truck's passing on a double line, on a curve. Yeesh. That guy must have some unresolved emotional issues. You know... My ex-husband drove a truck like that. Uh, Tiffany, Tiffany, Sorry, hey, guys, Tiffany. Sorry, guys, can't hear you. Tiff- the copter's really loud. Over and out, Tiffany Diamond reporting live from the Berryville Radio Traffic Helicopter for Everything's Better in Berryville. Hey, let's follow that guy and see where he's going. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> well, I hope she's all right up there. She knows what she's doing. Let's go to the mail. Yeah, let's do that because this show is quickly turning into a bummer. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, first thing, I got uh, an application to be an intern here. At Barryville at, Radio? At Barryville Radio on okay. our show. And uh, look at this guy's resume. It's fantastic. He's an NYU grad. Wow. In fact, I think he's attended every Ivy League school. He's, check, uh, check, check. He's a lawyer and, uh, among other things, he was the top earner at Goldman Sachs. Wow. Which makes me kind of wonder why he wants anything to do with us. Yeah, um, I don't know what the prospects are. His mother was a Holocaust survivor who died in 9-11. Come on. So, he's getting the sympathy vote there. And he's run an animal rescue clinic who saved Wait a second, where is this guy from? Uh, the United States Congress, actually. He's no, 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 no. This guy's from Long Island and he's, he's total shit. But it, we don't need him here. Uh, he, the people of Long Island don't need him and we certainly don't need him in It, it does beg the question, Joe, uh, John, uh, 
how did how did you get this job? Did you pad your resume? <laughs> no, if anything, I kept things off my resume so you wouldn't find out everything about me. <laughs> I'm the same way. I keep things off my resume, mostly because I don't think anyone would actually uh, believe them. Uh, also in the mail this week, I see we have a lot of new entries naming the camel. Oh, my God. Okay, so here we go. We got a lot of really hysterical names. I was definitely cracking up at a lot of these. So we got Sir Humps a lot. We got Toe. We got Humphrey. We got kind of looks like Joe minus the sig dangling. We got Barry. We got Barry Cider. We got Circus. We got Sanchez. We got Humpty Drone Theory. <laughs> we got Mrs. Cameltoe. And one of my personal favorites from our own Deb Conway, we got Miles. Except I'm the only person in this room old enough to get that joke. You don't remember the old ad, I'd walk a mile for No, a, I looked a it camel. up. I, I looked it up. I looked it up because I, I knew it had to be witty and smart and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we're going to keep those votes open for oh, another yeah. week, though, right, though? You know what, though? We got another uh, letter, which I really wanted to address about our slogan, everything's better in Berryville. We're here. Get used to it. So, um... I, I really just want to talk about this because I think that everybody doesn't know where it's coming from. So Heritage Radio Network is a food-based radio network, and they're trying to support underrepresented opinions, ideas, concepts through food and community. And our um, We're Here, Get Used to It is actually a reference to the slogan that was chanted at gay pride parades beginning in the 1970s. It was Mike's idea, which I love, and Mike's not really a queer. Well, he's kind of an honorary queer, but we shortened it to just, we're here, get used to it. It's the idea of begging to be accepted just to exist without persecution. It's provocative for sure, but it's a sentiment I stand behind. Tolerance goes in every direction, and I think everyone can take a page out of getting used to someone's sheer existence. I dislike a lot of the prejudice and overall ignorance uh, that I experience on my daily and my community up here and everywhere, but it's not going away. That's all we can do is get used to it and get used to the notion that everybody's going to stick around and no one's going away. So, you know, I appreciate everybody listening. I really hope you're not offended by our bold slogan or statement, but um, I, I truly mean it, and I, I hope everybody can can accept a historical nod or two. Well, thank you for those kind words, John, and that's the news. And again, if you want And wanna... thank you to all the letter writers who, who keep this narrative going, you know, because I, I love explaining things, and without you, we're nothing. <laughs> and if you want to get in touch with us, please find us at Barryville Radio at gmail.com. Please find us on Facebook at Everything's Better in Barryville. You can see pictures of the camel and or please... you can go to our website at betterandburyville.com all right we're going to see you all soon uh, next we have uh, Lacey with some music but we're going to talk to her for a second too and uh, find out what's really going on those golden pipes up your marketing game and support nonprofit food radio when you put your brand on the HRN airwaves with a business membership. HRN is committed to spotlighting small businesses that keep our community vibrant. When you become an HRN business member at the $500 level, you'll receive on-air mentions on HRN podcasts, shout-outs on social media, listings on our website, and more as part of our thank you package. By becoming an HRN member, you'll help sustain our mission to transform the way people think about food. In return, HRN will shine a light on your work in front of an audience of food enthusiasts, industry insiders, owner-operators, and decision-makers. Become a business member and make your tax-deductible donation today at heritageradionetwork.org B-I-Z. All right, can you dig it, Johnny? I'm having fun today. Yeah, this is a great show. I love, I love Sharon. I love Matt. I love everything that's happening today. And, and our massive studio audience—it's like the whole town of Barryville. <laughs> Thank here. you, people. I can't believe we fit everybody in the door. But who would want to show up for this next guest? We have Lacey Keen of Macabre Americana, also known to many of you out there, locals, as Lacey Goodacunt. Put your hands together. Like that, I borrowed that bumper from the Letterman show. <laughs> hey, Lacey, what's happening? I'm doing good. Thank you for coming out today. Of course. You know, out meaning four minutes from my own house. Yeah, thank you for <laughs> treading through the yards to get here. Now, well, you don't live in Barryville, though, technically. Technically, no. Technically, I live in Yulin. You're not going to start a Yulin podcast, are you? Because we, we don't need the competition, frankly. 
you know, there's so many people. There's so it's such a big audience that I think you know we wouldn't be in competition, right? I mean, well, we're back and all we're, the and stars we're, and, in the sky. We all hang together. And, exactly. and we're nationwide. So uh, where where do you gig around here in Bar- the Barryville? Yeah, I see. Uh, I'm finding you know it's kind of weird trying to find places to play other than the farmers market, and the scene up here is a little weird because I find everybody's either really grateful, deady, hard left, grateful dead, or hard right wants to play like Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can see me fair, like you know, uh, fairly often at Baker's. So I'll play there every once in a while. And um, you know, I, I used to play with my dad. He's he kind of comes back and forth from New York. Um, so when he's here, we get to play together. Um, and he's a fabulous musician. Um, yeah. One of my highlights was seeing you guys at the Shad Fest. That yeah. was like such a good gig, and you really wowed the crowd. I mean, your voice is beautiful. Thank you. And we do we. <laughs> You know, we do a lot of new stuff from the 90s. That's what my dad thinks is new. Um, I have to remind him that it's 30 years old, but yes. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, with, I'm kind of with your old man. <laughs> I, I, I have to confess the Shad Fest. I hear, I hear it's going to happen again, John. We're still working it out. we got to talk to the Shad. Yeah. It's really up to them. Uh, I, I played the Shad Fest last year. It was a good time. It's a good gig. And, I, you know, you both were among the highlights. It was a great, great time. Let's see if, we get, let's see if we get invited back. Yeah. You know, at least you know. he also helped organize it, too, which was wonderful to I have a, another producer type person on, on board. Because, you know, it's still like a, a spur in my, my, my saddle, uh, you know, be in my bonnet. That I didn't get back, asked back to play at the Haunted Battlefield. My very, my very first oh. gig here in town was at the Minisync Battlefield. When Deb Conway called and said, hey, you want to play an anti-war song for some Republicans? And I said, are you kidding? I've been waiting my whole life for this. That sounds just like macabre Americana. That's, yeah. you know, I love where, it. What we're about. What are, what are you going to perform for us today? Um, so I'm going to sing a song called Black Dog. Um, I wrote this song a couple years ago. It, it uh, you know, macabre Americana, we, we sing about the dark side of American history, past and present. And um, this song... Um, Particularly, ooh, the tea the is tea's happening. John, that's your tea. <laughs> okay. I thought you set the kettle on airplane. Mode. Sorry, that's my gig. I'll be I'll be right back with. Tea. But meanwhile, I want to ask I want to ask Lacey because you've been here forever, but you've been here, but you're still a newcomer, or have yes. you been here forever? Because that is sort of the underlying light motif of this show. Yeah, is. I'm kind of both. I'm in I'm in this in between. Um, you know, my family. Uh, extended family, longtime family has been up here for about a hundred years. I think they came up here originally because of polio. Um, they were, you know, Brooklyn Bronx family. Um, and, uh, but my family has been vacationing up here for, for generations. Some people live here full time. Some people don't. Um, I was one of the vacationers and, uh, worked up here. My grandparents, um, Built. It was originally G-Mart, uh, now Pex and Eldred, and I worked there when I was in fifth, sixth grade, and worked at Bethel Woods through college. So I spent a lot of time up here, but now I'm full time. So you're from here. You're no. from here. From here. You're a one of the revered locals. Uh, the thing I can never be. I mean, yes and no. <laughs> I I mean, I remember, you know, from from growing up here, I was still viewed as like, you know, myself and my cousins and my family. We were this. We were the city girls, right? Even though it was like we're, we're we live from where we're from Westchester. We, you know, spend all of our summers up here, but we were we were not seen as locals. Not growing up. No. But see, Mike, does that make you feel a little bit better? She's been coming up here her whole life, and she's still not <laughs> she's local. Still not, so get no. over it. Who cares? No, I'm over it. It's just I think no, you're not. No, you're be, not. It comes but, up every it, episode. Well, of course, it's not a matter of being over it. But I think there it needs to be addressed. That I mean, there are, there are natives, and there are people sure. who are locals. The people who are from here. I can never be from here. Like you know, they say it takes ten years to be a New Yorker, sure. and that's a pretty good thing. But here I am. Get used to it. Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Talk. I I had this conversation with my dad who you know his parents moved up here and he was in college um and he was like oh we're not locals and i was like well what does that mean he's like well there are families that have been here for hundreds and hundreds of years we are not one of them right and it's and it's like oh okay so everyone has a different idea of what quote unquote local is up here the main thing is i just want us to all get along john yeah but of it course. doesn't make you local, Mike. I doesn't. I, I, I'm never. I'm never gonna be from here. But uh, but you know. But I'm gonna die here, and that should count for something. Yeah. I swear to God, I want to be buried out in the backyard, just like Elvis Presley. Sure. <laughs> it's good enough for the king of rock and roll. It's good enough for me. All right, you ready to sing a song, Lacey? I am. All right, let's uh, reset. And what are we gonna hear again? Black dog. All right, can't wait. Here we go. Hey, 
better Berryville. It's 85 and sunny down in Hollywood. Dreams full of stars in the sky. Tina cried today, and well, of course I did. is coming around the corner I can feel my breath Cause it's short and sweet and incomplete And my lungs are trying to put me to the test That was so beautiful. Her voice is golden. I mean, wow. really, she's really talented. And wow, wow. Oh, we did it again, John. Oops, we did it again. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, yes, we sure did. <laughs> All right. We'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to walk the streets of Barryville this week. How it goes over. But in the meantime, I do want to thank everybody, uh, especially Matt and Sharon, for being our guests, and Matt at Heritage Radio for making us sound so good. I want to thank Tiffany Diamond, our eyes in the sky in the Barryville traffic helicopter. And uh, I'm thinking about asking for a zoning variant, see if I can land the chopper in my, my backyard. John. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, you know, on, on one more sort of solemn note, I really want to dedicate this show to Vinny Donnelly, um, who we've recently lost, and also Bob Bailey. These are two really important people to our community. So um, love and light to their families. Beautiful. All right. We love you all, everybody in Barryville and beyond. Uh, let's go out with a groovy little dance tune. What do you think, John? This is uh, our own John Pizzolo. Not again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have a great day, everybody. We love you. I can't get enough. See Talk you guys soon. soon. Everything's better in Berryville.
by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.